Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. Hi, this is Jerry Crispin. I'm with Rodney Brzezinski, and I hope I pronounced your last name right. Yeah. New with us with Career Crossroads uh, with, is it Brand Safway? Brand Safway or Safeway as many people will pronounce it. Okay, cool. Three questions, but you know, the first of which is what brought you to Brand Safway? You know, what, what was the thing that you wanted to do there? You know, I love this question because when I was looking for a, a position before I came here, I had an opportunity to come to this company and I chose a different company. This was uh, about 12 years ago and it was a big mistake going to the other company. I found that there were some, you know, just uh, questionable practices and um, I'm the kind of person that that gravitates toward, you know, good, strong ethical policies and, and so forth. So the thing that truly brought me to brand, I left the other position after about a year, I contacted Brand at the time, now we're Brand Safeway, and they were still interested in me after a year, brought me on board. The thing that brought me here was just the amount of potential opportunity the company was offering. I just saw it as a, as a company that was on the move and uh, was really exciting. So, But that was a long time ago. What Really, the better question is what keeps me here because I've been here for 12 years. And I'll be honest, the, the, the thing that has kept me here this long, because there's been a couple of times in my uh, decade plus here that I've thought, you know, maybe it's time to move on. This company has moved and evolved so much over the last decade. We have a very aggressive M&A process. We have purchased over in the last, uh, how many, let's see, in the last 24 months, we've purchased almost 17 companies. So we're pretty aggressive when it comes to acquisition. So I think the thing that keeps me here is the fact that after every business cycle, it's a new place. It's fascinating. And for those who don't know your organization, we were just talking about it's it's a construction kind of thing, but also specialty niche. So it's kind of fascinating. How how many employees do you have globally? We have uh, about 45,000 employees around the world. We do work in, um, I think we're in 30 countries right now. You know, depending on the country, our strategy is if we can be in the top three major players in that country, we'll go for it. If we can't, we'll back out. And it's interesting. We had a conversation yesterday. We have backed out of Russia and we backed out of China for those reasons. It's possible we'll be back in China very soon. Fascinating. So with with that kind of breadth and size, um, obviously, there's a lot of scaling issues that, that go on for from a global point of view. So I can I can imagine some of the things that are going on. But but as you approach 2020, what do you envision are the critical drivers for uh, the challenges that keep you up at night? Okay. Uh, it's funny you ask that question because what I originally thought uh, to answer how to answer that question has changed. The thing that keeps us up at this company is safety, right? And it doesn't matter where you're at in this company. It could be like me sitting in a corporate office, or you could be a branch manager, you could be a scaffold supervisor. Somebody getting hurt is the last thing we need or want. And I will say that's also one of the things that's kept me around because 
Safety is part of our DNA. You know, treating people with dignity and respect, absolutely. We have a strong set of ethics and a very good value statement of the company. But at the end of the day, if our guys don't go home in as good or better condition, we're not doing our job right. So number one priority is that, but equal to that is finding the craft labor. So I mentioned 45,000 employees, 90% of those 45,000 employees are craft labor. They're the guys, uh, men and women inside petrochemical plants, inside power plants, inside refineries, and they're building scaffolding. They're doing sandblasting. They're just a multitude of different things, finding folks that are skilled to do it, willing to do it, and are looking for that type of job, it's, it's not easy. And there's a shortage of craft labor. So we're, we're doing the best we can to find them, get them hired, retain them. Yes. Yeah, to me, it's fascinating that I'd say 90% of the discussion that's out there tends to be about um, uh, IT developers kind of thing, right? And I get it. You know, uh, obviously, we're in a digital world and, and that's very visible in relation to that. But people forget that there's a whole host of other things that people take pride in being able to do and do well, but that are in very short supply, whether it be arc welders or, as you were talking about, scaffolders and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I think, you know, the moms and dads of the world don't necessarily want their sons and daughters going to Pasadena, Texas at 110 degrees in the middle of an oil refinery wearing protective clothing and building a scaffolding. So, you know, it's work that needs to be done. I think one of the things I learned about the world coming here is that there are certain industries that really drive the world economy, and this is one of them. Sure, we try to find ways to be as efficient and automated as possible, but when you're trying to build a scaffolding around a coker plant where there could be a lot of danger involved, you back into a valve with a truck, it could cause a major explosion. You got to have the right people doing the job. You have to have people that want to be there and, and that have their head in the game the whole time. And so we're looking for them. And, you know, we do a lot of a lot of community outreach. We're connected to a lot of the a lot of the local schools to try and get people in the, the right path. And, and quite honestly, as a young adult working in this industry, you can make a good amount of money. I would I would imagine the dollar figure for for anybody who's going to go from where they live to somewhere else that might not be where the conditions aren't all that good and they got to hang out for X there's probably a good good return on that investment if they do it well there is. Yeah. You know, I, I mentioned we had some folks that we sent uh, from South Texas to Singapore to work in a refinery there. The folks that are really willing to, to sign on and travel, they can make a per diem and they work a tremendous amount of overtime. So as a young adult in your early 20s trying to figure out what the rest of your life is going to be like, you can really put some cash away and, you know, buy yourself a nice F-150 and I think that's great. And I have my F-150, but I didn't get it that way. So that's all right. <laughs> Very cool. So the last last question is, other than work, you know, what's kind of floating your boat? What do you get satisfaction out of? Sure. So I was moved here by the company to Kennesaw, Georgia. Prior to here, I was in Louisiana. So I've really only been in the Kennesaw, Atlanta, Georgia area for about a year and a half, almost two years. So we're still trying to establish ourselves. My wife and I, we like to do a little bit of community outreach, our payback, uh, our pay forward is is really the our parish pantry or our, our food banks. We like to do that. The other thing that's that's kind of interesting, and this wasn't by design, it just kind of happened. We're Habitat for Humanity people, so not only at work, so here in the Kennesaw corporate building, we do outings with the employees. But in addition to that, my wife and I are involved in some Habitat for Humanity. And interestingly enough, 
my mother, she volunteers at a restore, the Habitat for Humanity restores where they sell things that have been donated. And so it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where for my family, it's, it's uh, throughout. So it's, um, you know, that's our, that's our, uh, our deal. I also occasionally look out for uh, adjunct faculty opportunities. So I like to teach HR stuff. Cool. Very good. I will tell you that our we've started last year what we call CXR Cares. And so for each of the meetings that we go to, we offer to our members who are coming to that meeting, if they can get in the day early, we try to do something in the community where we are. And most of them, uh, well, actually three times this past year, we did a pantry. And I, I, never, I never realized how big a deal those things are in different kinds of communities and how many people are served by that. I mean, we were, we saw in, in small, some small communities, thousands of people being served by that. And obviously these volunteers that they need in order to just, I don't know, put all the apples, the, the good apples in the right place. So it's, <laughs> it's funny you say that. My <laughs> wife is, a, she is an expert at taking just a huge room of a mixture of whatever people have donated and she can literally create meals in a bag and say, take this bag, take it to whomever. And inside of that is all the different components to make a meal. Um, she's just super good at it. So that's, uh, that's one of the things that we kind of, made. I'm always, I'm always amazed because for me, it would not, uh, wouldn't turn out quite as good. <laughs> <laughs> the other story you, uh, you, you talked about Habitat for Humanity and I, I've done several uh, volunteer ones in, um, in uh, Louisiana, in, in New Orleans, after um, Katrina. And uh, the first one that I did, you know, and I, I, I'm getting on in age, so we, it was very hot that day. It was like 110 degrees. And they took a bus of us out to this area where they were fixing up homes. Uh, in a very macho way, the guy goes, okay, I need people to get up on the roof and do da-da-da-da. And the burly men, you know, they all, they all said, yeah, I'm in, I'm in. And I'm going, I don't think so. That's not what I'm going to do. And then there was, a, there was, I can't remember what the other one was, but the, there was another one where it, it just felt like I could die there, you know, if if I, if I was doing that. And the third one was go inside and paint. And I'm going, I'm in. And I will tell you that the men who volunteered for the, the, the stuff around the whatever, they were all dying. The women who had volunteered all waited until it came to the end. And so I was with them. And I had a lot more fun, I have to say. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would have. I may not have done the same thing, but I wished I. W I bet I wished I would have if I was there. <laughs> well, this is good. Well, thank you very much uh, for that. I'm going to um, turn off the recording. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time. Oh,